title of our lesson this morning is Lord, Help Us to Be Other Thinkers. And as Gerald said, hopefully I'll explain that as I go along. <laughs> and uh, you'll understand what it is that uh, the point of that lesson and the point of that title. Jesus thought of others, and we're going to focus in on uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 this morning. God desires for us to have the mind of Christ. And we are part of, and this is what I'll explain as we go along, uh, we are part of a complex spiritual ecosystem. And so the points in our lesson will be the mindset of Jesus, what are you doing for others, and then the golden rule. As I uh, mentioned, on Wednesday evening, we were talking about Philippians uh, and doing an overview of the book of Philippians. And in Philippians 2, in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on in that immediate context to help us to understand what the mind of Christ was. And it talks about the fact that he preexisted in the form of God. He gave that up. He took on the form of man, became a bondservant, even to the point of dying on the cross. Why did he do that? Well, he did it to fulfill his father's will. He was going to serve him. But at the same time, he was going to make it possible for man to have salvation, to redeem us. He was going to serve us. And so Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus had the heart and he had the mind of a servant. That's your God. Because Jesus was God. He is Emmanuel. God in the flesh. And our God has the heart and the mind of a servant. And Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 and verse 6. He has begun a work in you. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 and verse 7. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind when he was thinking about his past accomplishments and what he had accomplished in the past. He said, leaving those thoughts behind. So in essence, what he's saying is, when I stopped thinking about Self and started thinking about others. I started having the mind of Christ. Philippians 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My life changed when I started thinking like Christ. When I started thinking like Christ then I could see God. Then I could see Jesus. Then I could see myself. And then I could see others. When I started to think like and have the mind of Jesus Christ. You know, someone has said that one of the toughest, most difficult mindsets to lay hold of and then to hold on to is to be a person who is constantly thinking about others. 
Because we have a tendency to kind of think about who? <laughs> I have a tendency to think about me. But Paul's saying, have this mind in you, which was also in, in Christ Jesus. And so before we go any further, I want to ask you this question. Paul's saying we should have this mind. And Jesus certainly was had the heart and mind of a servant. And he served his father and he served us. And he thought about others. So let me ask you. And I'll ask myself at the same time. Do you have that mindset? Do you have that heart? You need and I need each other to help us get there. Because that's where he wants us to go. God desires for us to have the mind in Christ when Paul said that. But I need your help to get there. And you need my help to get there because that's where he wants us to go. And whenever we get there, you know what's going to happen? That'll change your life. It'll change my life. It'll change this church because that's the way he wants us to think. He wants us to become other thinkers. Think about others. And that kind of thinking changes individuals and it changes husbands and wives. It changes families. It changes employees and it changes employers. It changes churches. It changes communities. It changes society. It changes the world. Do you think our world could use some other thinkers? I want to give you a point of reference. I want to give you this illustration. But it's really a point of reference. That I want you to use this point of reference as we think about this lesson from Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. Have you ever heard of, I'm sure you have, Earth Day? Have you heard of Earth Day? <laughs> well, let me tell you. It was 1970. It was April 22nd. It was a Wednesday. I was a junior in high school at Garden Grove High School. That was the very first Earth Day. And you know what, kids... You know how kids are. <laughs> High school kids. You know what they came to school wearing that day? They wore masks. <laughs> and I remember a couple of guys that I knew found these gas masks. <laughs> and they wore those and had that big thing on the front and those things. You know? And we made posters. and It was Earth Day. <laughs> a senator in Wisconsin was trying desperately hard... <laughs> To bring attention to environmental issues. And he got it launched. And that was the first Earth Day. Do you know that the EPA did not exist, the Environmental Protection Agency did not exist till December of that year? My wife and I were talking about this. When I was a kid and we lived up here on the farm, and we would be going into town, and if you looked around in the back seat or in the car, and there was some trash laying in there, you know what you did with it? You rolled down the window. <laughs> it wasn't until after this 
that you started seeing those signs along the highway that says $500 fines for littering? The world, first the United States, and let me tell you, the World Earth Day did not happen until 1990. That's when other nations joined in. But this senator was trying to bring attention to environmental issues. And you started hearing a lot of talk about the Amazon rainforest. The great coral reef. Endangered animals. And all of those kinds of things. You started hearing terms like ecosystems. And you started to realize that ecosystems were made up of plants and animals and birds and microbes and air and land and water and us. And all these components make up an ecosystem. And when it gets out of balance, it can create a lot of problems. And so we became aware of those kinds of things. And when an ecosystem is in harmony, when it's in balance, it works perfectly. Because that's the way it was designed. I want you to think about that this morning because we are part of I'm not going to talk about the environment okay <laughs> we're going to talk about a spiritual ecosystem that we are a part of Jesus understood that spiritual ecosystem So that's what I want us to think about as we give consideration to these points. So first of all, Philippians chapter 2, in verses 5 through 7, the mind of Christ. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Some translations say he emptied himself. He took on the form of a bondservant. You know what that's saying? That's saying he left heaven and he entered this ecosystem. This spiritual ecosystem. And he took on that form so that he could serve. So that he could benefit the system. I'll just kind of cut to the chase and then we'll back up a little bit. You know what he was doing? Yes, he showed us something about God. But he was showing you and I something too. He was showing you and I where we fit in the system. 
He took on the form of a bondservant. He became a man to help us understand where we fit in in the system. Back up for just a moment to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Keeping in mind as Paul writes to the Philippians, he's trying to show them where they fit in. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. You know what I'm saying? See, Jesus has showed us how we fit into the system. This is what you learned about Jesus Christ. And so now make my joy complete by being of the same mind, the same spirit, fulfilling one purpose. You understand. And Jesus is your example. And the way He was, that's the way God wants you to be. Because that's where you'll fit into the system. And that's where you'll help the system to function the way that it's supposed to. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Paul's saying, I want you to be another thinker. (laughs) I want you to think about others. And I'll cover it in just a moment where he says, With humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I'll explain that as you go along so that we understand how that works. But Paul's saying, you need to think about and give consideration to the bigger picture. It's not all about just you. And see, naturally, that's kind of the way we think. It's all about me. So what Paul's saying is, think about others and put yourself in their shoes. And if the roles were reversed in some circumstance, how would you want to be treated? Remember the whole. Think about them. And you know, we oftentimes say, and we think, You ever come face to face with somebody who is all about me? (laughs) And you think, I don't like that person. (laughs) All they ever talk about is their self. (laughs) All they ever think about is their self. Well, as Michael Jackson once said, (laughs) look at the man in the mirror. (laughs) It's like, do you ever suffer from that same syndrome? (laughs) And so Paul's saying, you got to think about got to think about others. See, it was selfish ambition that Satan used in the garden. Satan wanted Eve and Adam to focus on self. And so that's what he used. It wreaked havoc 
on their lives. And it's been wreaking havoc on mankind and our experience in this life ever since. See, what Satan did is he managed to take their focus off of God and turn it in. Don't look out. Don't look up. What you need to do is look in. And so it says, when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, good for who? Good for me. And when she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, whose eye? My eye. And that it would make one wise, who will become wise? I will. She took. And then she gave to Adam. And he partook. You know what Satan just did to the system? He removed the most important ingredient. He removed God. And when you take something out of the system, you change the system. And that's what he managed to do. You don't need God. You can be God. That kind of thinking has wreaked havoc. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to reverse that mindset and that kind of thinking. See, Satan says, oh no, (laughs) you can hold two positions. You can be God and you can be you. You can be a man. There's only one that has ever been able to hold two positions. That was Jesus Christ. He was both God and man because he understood both positions. And he came so that we would understand both positions. Philippians 2, 6-8 Who although existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know what that's saying? See, now, we need to get this. What that's saying is, is that God and Jesus Christ was looking out for you. See, what Satan wants you to think is nobody's looking out for you. There's nobody looking out for number one except number one. And what this is saying is, no. The God who made you, even though you rebelled, He was looking out for you. And you know what Jesus Christ did? He died for you. He served you, looking out for you.
See, what this is saying is you don't have to focus on self anymore because you've got somebody looking out for you. See, what we know through Jesus Christ is is that we are beloved children of the Almighty God. We know through Jesus Christ that we are loved and that we are cared for. And that He gave up heaven. Came to this earth. He served. He suffered. He died. Why? Because He thought of you. He thought of me. He thought of others. And He gave us something better than what we could ever get on our own, no matter how focused you become on yourself, you will never be able to get what He gives for free. <laughs> and that's heaven. I thought of you. I'll give you something better than you could ever get on your own. And so in verse 3 and 4, He says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what Jesus did. And when you get that mindset, you know what will happen? You'll start to understand the system. And you'll start to figure out where you fit in to the system. And you know what else you'll figure out? God has designed this spiritual ecosystem in such a way that if you understand the system, it'll take care of you. And you'll know where you fit in. And you'll know how you can serve God. And you'll know how you can serve others. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow. The system works. One writer put it this way. As he come to understand. He said, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I retired from serving myself. I don't have to focus on me anymore. I've taken me out of the center of my universe. I've gotten off the ego ladder. And now... I'm gladly a servant. Because my king looks out for me. And he provides what I could never get on my own. See, but Paul knew it takes time to change people's thinking the way they think. And there's always a temptation to want to go back to the natural kind of way of seeing things from our own selfish perspective. And seeing things and seeing circumstances and seeing other people from the perspective that it's got to be me first. 
And so it happens in our individual lives. It happens in our marriages. It happens in our families. It happens in our job. It happens in our churches. Me gets in the way. And thinking about me. So Paul says, Philippians 2 and verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. Regard one another. See, this is where we got to understand it. Regard one another is more important than self. See, because when I just focus on self, I forget about the rest of the system. And if I forget about the rest of the system, you know what will happen to self? I'll be destroyed. <laughs> so regard others better than self, than just self. Because there's more than just self. So sometimes we look at that and we say, yeah, well, <laughs> that sounds good. But what about if that person that I'm thinking about helping doesn't even like me? And they don't care about me. So here it comes. Why should I care about that? Okay. But see, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what was that mind? Romans 8. That while we were yet in our sins, he sent his son to die for us. He didn't say, hey, one of these days when you get your thinking straightened out and when you start to act a little better, then maybe I'll think about coming to die for you. No, he says, I'm going to come to die for you because that's what it's going to take to bend your thinking. That's what it's going to take to change your focus from always being focused in where Satan put it I can slowly bend that thing and I can get you to look out so he loved us when we weren't lovely <laughs> so don't misunderstand what Paul's saying Paul is not saying don't ever think of yourself and Paul is not saying well you don't matter because you do matter Jesus Christ died for you you do matter you have identity and the scriptures plainly teach you have gifts and you have talents. But you know what the scriptures teach us about that? You're a part of the system. And he wants to use your talents and your gifts under God's direction to benefit you and the whole. <laughs> That's what we need to understand. One person put it this way. He said, don't think less of yourself. 
Just think of yourself less. Doesn't that make sense? See, instead of always thinking about me, well, I got to take time out and maybe think about somebody else. Humility is not saying, I'm not worth anything. That's not humility. That's not what's taught in the scriptures. A Christ-like attitude says, I take what I have and I think about others. And I take my abilities, my talents, my gifts, and I try to help. (laughs) Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. You know what that's saying? He's God. And so he was willing to give up heaven and to come here with all that he had that he might serve us. I will take what I have and I will serve them. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, He could have just made it all about me. But he said, no, I'll take what I have. And I'll use it to the benefit of them. He became a servant. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. Why? (laughs) Because you need to understand the system. He served God. He served others. And ultimately, you know what happens? He is exalted. And every tongue will confess. And every knee will bow. And they will declare that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He understands. The system. And he understood. That the system. Had been damaged. By sin. And it was out of balance. And it needed to be recalibrated. And so he would serve. And he would serve others. That was his mindset. So we asked the question. What are we doing for others? And I don't say that to try to put people on the spot. (laughs) Because I have to ask myself too. But we need to think about it. I want you to turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Because in Matthew chapter 25, there's depicted there the judgment scene. In Matthew 25, beginning at, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. uh, Verse 31, and then verse 32. We don't have time to read the entire context, but Matthew 25 and verse 31. 
It says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all His angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered to Him, and He will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. It is that great throne judgment scene. And he says at that time all the nations will be gathered and the sheep will be on his right and the goats will be on his left. And then he will say to those on his right, listen, he will say to those on his right, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and and you visited me. And then they will say to him, When did we see you hungry or thirsty? <laughs> or a stranger and take you in? And he says, When you did it to the least of one of these, you did it to me. When you thought about others, you thought about me. So what Jesus is saying is when you were other thinking that's when you did. A well-known civil rights leader once said the most urgent question that we can ask ourselves is what are you doing for others? Another person said this. I kind of like this phrase. He said are you a fan of Jesus? Are you an admirer of Jesus? Or are you a disciple of Jesus? There's a difference. So we ask, what are you, what are you doing for others? Let me give you this illustration because I think this kind of is the mindset that we sometimes have to overcome. There was a mother one Saturday morning that fixed pancakes for her two young boys for breakfast. They were about five and seven. She made a big stack of pancakes. She set them out there on the table with the butter and the syrup and all these things, and they dug into them, devoured them until they got down to the last one. Two brothers, one pancake. Guess what happens? <laughs> It's World War III, right? So she stops him and she thinks, this is a moment when I can teach an important moral lesson. And so she said to her boys, do you know if Jesus were here, what he would say? And they kind of stopped and they looked at her and she said, he would say, let my brother have the last pancake. They thought for a moment and then the older one looked at the younger one and he said, okay, you can be Jesus and he took the last pancake. <laughs> when something's on the line, who's going to be Jesus? See, that's when it matters. Can I think about that other person? even though I might have to sacrifice and think about their needs and how it would help them. Mommy. 
How will I use my position, my talents, my abilities? Will I use them to bless somebody else? Or will I always be thinking, how can I make this benefit me? So that's the question that comes up in relationships and in marriages in the home who's going to be Jesus that's the question that comes up when we gather together that's the question that comes up when we pass the offering plate that's the question that comes up when we assemble yes we benefit when we come together But do we think about others and how we can benefit them when we come together? See, Jesus wants to bend our thoughts from self to others. He wants us to become other thinkers. Third point. Matthew 7 and verse 12, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. That same civil rights leader said this. From time... (coughs) He didn't say that. (laughs) From time immemorial, people have lived by the principle that self-preservation is the first law of life. But he said, I believe that's a false assumption. I would say that other preservation is the first law of life. Precisely because we cannot preserve self without being concerned about preserving others. That's the way the universe is structured. And when we don't understand that, things go awry. Men have to diligently cultivate the other regarding dimension to life. I cannot reach fulfillment without you. Self cannot be fully realized without other selves. You know, as I read that, I thought about that. And it brought back to mind. I have to think about others to benefit myself. And I thought, you know what? Christianity is a paradox, isn't it? You have to die in order to live. You have to become a slave in order to be free. You have to serve others if you really want to thrive. The Bible says in the beginning God created Adam and Eve. He created that original family. And out of that family all the others came. But woven into that family from the very beginning 
was a system of mutuality and dependence. It was a ministry of being helpmates to one another. Stewards of the whole creation. Go back and read Genesis 1, 26 through 28. He created man and woman in his image. And then he blessed them and told them to multiply and to fill the earth with his image. And then he said, I've given you dominion over the birds of the air and over the fish of the sea and all the land and all the animals. You know what that's saying? We were to be co-regents with God if we understood where we fit in the system. The great designer designed the system. There's an old saying, I don't know how old it is, I know it's been around since Earth Day, (laughs) but it goes like this. And I thought, boy, this is apropos in today's (laughs) environment. The saying goes like this. When a butterfly flaps its wings in China, it influences the weather in Chicago. A lot of truth to that. An ecosystem. An ecosystem is a web of complex relationships with each component affecting the others and being affected by the others. And what the scriptures teaches us is that we are bound to God. And we are bound to others in such a way that it is devastating if we ignore it. But it can be delightful. And it can be wonderful when you discover it. Other thinkers. God wants us to be other thinkers. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you have never rendered obedience to Jesus Christ. He is to be your Lord. You are to know where you fit into the system and how serving Him actually serves you and it serves others. And so we would make that invitation to you this morning to confess Him as Lord, to repent of your sins, to be buried with Him in baptism for the forgiveness of those sins, and then to rise to walk in newness of life. And if you're a child of God and not been living as you said, you should recognize the system. You should recognize who this Lord is and where you fit in. And if you need to make your life right, you come while together we stand and while we sing.